mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, The Last Time. His scripture text to be taken from the book of 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. Here now, Pastor Moody. Amen. 1 John chapter 2, the Bible said, Little children, it is the last time. If you mark in your Bible, you ought to underline that phrase. It is the last time. As you have heard that Antichrist shall come, and even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time or the last days. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they'd been of us, they would have no doubt continued with us, but they went out. Uh, That they might be made manifest or revealed that they were not all of us. Man, that says a lot, doesn't it? Either you're with Jesus or you're not. Either you're in Christ or you're out. If you're in Christ, thank God you're one of us. Amen. Amen. I was uh, uh, with uh, this uh, Friday evening, I was having dinner with uh, some folks. One of them's dad's a Baptist preacher, a dear friend. And uh, he said this to me. He said, I want to tell you something. He said, I've got to write, I don't care about the name over the door. He said, all I care about is what's in the heart. Amen. And uh, then he said, but you have an unction. In the New King James, I believe it says, you have an anointing from the Holy One. I like this, and you know all things. Then he said, have I not written unto you because you know? I have, let me back up. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but I'm telling you this because you know it. You know the truth, amen, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But he that denies that Jesus is the Christ, he is antichrist that denies the Father and the Son. Where whosoever, he says, Denies the Son, the same has not the Father, but he that acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you that which you have heard from the beginning. If that you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you shall also continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised unto us, even eternal life. Now the basis of what John is saying is that This is the last time. And this phrase here refers to the last dispensation, the day of grace. From the time, amen, that Jesus rose and the church was born on the day of Pentecost until the rapture takes place. Included in that last time, he said, I want you to know that already the spirit of Antichrist and there are many Antichrists that are in the world back then. Denying the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Denying that he was God in the flesh, the Son of God. And he said, anybody that denies that is an antichrist. So I'm going to tell you today that what's going on is that the enemy has stirred up the spirit of antichrist in our world more than you've ever seen. The reason Jerusalem is being attacked is because it's the spirit of antichrist. Can you say amen? I'll explain that a little bit later, a little better. But today, the good news is we know the truth. 
We're in Jesus. We know what we believe. And we know that soon and very soon the Lord is coming. And because of that, we're going home with Jesus and we have eternal life. You ought to shout right there. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. But I want to preach for a little while about the last time. That's my title, the last time or the last days. Wherever that phrase is mentioned, amen, in prophecy and in the New Testament especially, the last days, the last time, I want you to know that the days of Messiah are intended or the day of the Lord. I'm preaching on the last time. Father, thank you for your word. Let your will be done in Jesus' name and we'll give you praise. And everyone said, amen, amen. Praise God. The battle for Jerusalem is on. It's really never stopped. It's always been the intent since God spoke to David to take Jabus, which was the city that we now know as Jerusalem. It was called Jabus Salem, or the city of peace, translated later to Jerusalem. When David said, whosoever goes up first, amen, and captures that city, will be given the daughter of the king. Are you hearing me? God would say later when Solomon built the temple, it's on this city that I put my name. And this is where my name is going to reside. When I started thinking about Jerusalem, there's a lot of history, of course, in 1948. Before that, 1918, the Balfour Declaration had declared that there would be a a land given back to to, uh, the Israelites, the land of Palestine, it was called then. And 1948, of course, at the end of World War II, they were allowed to move back into Israel. The Arabs fought hard to destroy them. Russia funded, uh, at that time, the the, uh, Confederation of Arab Nations to try to destroy the Zionists and get them out of that land that was theirs anyway, given to them by God. And then in 1967... Egypt put together another confederation of Arab states. They were funded by Russia. It was at that moment the third most powerful and largest military armada in the world, the largest army and third largest in the world, of course, behind the United States and Russia at that time. And they, fueled by Russian weapons and Russian money, said, we will destroy these Zionists and recapture Palestine, they called it, or Canaan land, we called it, in a week's time. If you know your history, when they invaded Israel with a little ragtag army with less than, with more than, with a little less, I think, than a few dozen tanks and about eight or ten airplanes and ill-armed, ill-prepared, the UN and The rest of the world were dragging their feet and discussing whether or not to help Israel. This week, our president said to to Israel's prime minister, you need to give Gaza back to the Palestinians and let them have their own state. I'll not talk about that much other than the fact that it irritates me a little bit because it's, it's not scriptural, biblical, or even politically right. Can you say amen? I've always said if all the Arabs want the Palestinians to have a state, they own half the world around them. Why don't they give them some land instead of trying to take Israel? But they said in a week we'll destroy it. And when they attacked, if you've never read about the Six-Day War, 
They said, we'll destroy Israel in, in seven, but God stood up and said, I'll destroy them in six. Can you say amen? The story was that their tanks just quit, that, that armada rolling towards Israel. They just quit. And uh, their planes would fall out of the sky for no reason. Soldiers who would be marching toward Israel would see armies of soldiers standing in front of them in white that looked like giants. And they were, there was nobody there except the angels of God. Can somebody say amen? And so what they said they would do in seven days was destroy Israel. When in reality in six days Israel beat the third strongest army in the world. But more importantly than that, I told you that to tell you this, they took the old city. They took Jerusalem back, can you say amen? And uh, history records and it's been told that that, that day that, that Israeli soldiers could be seen standing at, at the Jews' most holy site. Man, I feel the Lord all over me. Standing at the wailing wall with their helmets off and their weapons by their side, leaning on the wall and weeping and praying in Hebrew and praising God for giving them back their city. Can you say amen? Oh, but it's the last time. When I started to think about where we are today, this phrase, the last time, amen, we understand that so much is going on. Amen. We, the days of Messiah, the, the time of the coming of the Lord. In Acts chapter 2, when Peter spoke on the day of Pentecost in verse 16, he said, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, talking about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And he said, it will come to pass in the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your young man will see visions. Your old man will dream dreams. And on my servants, on my handmaids, in those days I will pour out my spirit. I've said this. That's been going on ever since the day of Pentecost, but I believe that was the former. We're getting ready to see the latter rain. I believe that the prophetic ministry now is going to increase between now and the coming of the Lord in, 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 in leaps and bounds that we've never imagined. Come on, somebody. I believe God has some things to say to his people, and we're going to start to hear it. He's raising up men and women today that are going to have the voice of God and the ear of the people, and God's word is going to be known in, in spite, <laughs> amen, Men of the efforts of all of the of, of the internet gurus to try to shut down anything conservative. I want to tell you at one time God said, I'm just going to have angels flying through the heavens preaching my word and letting amen as a witness against the world. In Hebrews 1 and 1, the Bible said that God who at sundry times, amen, in divers' manners, spoken time past by the to the fathers by the prophets, watch this, in these last days, in these last days, it says in verse number two, has spoken unto us by son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, and by whom he made the worlds. First Peter 1 and 20, Peter said it like this, considering this last time, he said, he foreordained, who was verily foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was Jesus was manifest, and he uses that phrase in these last times. I'm, I want you to know this last time or dispensation of grace, is winding down. We're coming to a time when the church is going to be raptured. That's not the end as far as the world is concerned. It's our escape, amen. The Lord himself is going to descend from heaven with a shout. We're leaving here, but then there's, going, there's some other things that are going to happen. The rapture, 
Then when we're gone, the tribulation, amen, the seven years known as the tribulation. While that's going on, we'll be at the marriage supper of the Lamb, hallelujah. One guy asked me one time, said, uh, he said, you know, he said, I, I, I don't want to go to church. He said, I like to party. I said, dear God, man, then you need to get to church. It's party central. Are you? He said, what are you talking about? I said, we're just getting dressed and getting prepared for the greatest party in the history of humanity. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. No, we're not all going to be floating around on little clouds, playing little harps and acting all holy. We're going to be up there rejoicing and celebrating. Can I tell you, it's going to be a seven-year marriage feast. Hallelujah. How can I share? Out at the wine, the new wine of the Holy Ghost, the heavenly wine is going to be flowing. Are you hearing me? The music's going to be going, the shouting, the rejoicing, amen. And it's all going to culminate with the coronation of Jesus Christ as King of all the universe. Can somebody help me, amen? And then at the end of that tribulation, the second coming, he's coming back and he's going to set up his throne in Jerusalem, Israel. So I've come to tell somebody we're getting ready for the coming of the king hallelujah give him praise if you would Woo! glory to God that's not the end though amen when he comes back then there's something we call the millennium Oh, Hitler said, I'll usher in the millennium. I'll set up the Third Reich. I'll devastate the world, the axis of evil. Hitler, Mussolini of Italy and Japan, they had a plan to conquer the world and they were going to rise up this, what they called this Aryan nation and he believed that Jesus would come back because of him. What a nut. No wonder he died in a bunker with a bullet in his head. Are you hearing me? Jesus' coming has nothing to do with the forces of men and of hell but Jesus is coming back when the father looks over at him and says go get my children hallelujah and bring them out of there the millennial then at the end of the millennial the last judgment there are different views of exactly how and when this is going to happen I mean I've known people who were great good men and women of God who didn't even believe in the rapture one of them told me one time, said, now listen, we believe the, the church is going through the tribulation. I said, you stay here and help yourself. I'm going out in the first load. Is somebody hearing me? I believe in the rapture of the church. And, and I'm not going to argue eschatology. I was saying something the other day about the Lord coming and the rapture happening. And, and I saw him standing over there watching and listening. He was going, I thought, dummy. <laughs> what are you hoping in if you're not hoping in the rapture? Come on, I, I, that's not my message. Let me move on. Listen, everyone mostly agrees that we're swiftly approaching the end. Whether it's you're a, a pre-trib rapture, a mid-trib rapture, or a post-trib rapture believer. Whatever you believe, we, we believe we're approaching the end. If this is true, then there are certain things happening that have been set in motion that will not be reversed. By that I mean governments have been, you know, like the Soviet Union fell. They're coming back to prominence now because they're the bear of the north that will invade Jerusalem before it's over. But Rob, I remember when Mr. Reagan said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. And officially the, the Iron Curtain fell. There were nations that were part of that Soviet bloc country 
that had to be released, Turkey and some of the others, because they're going to be part of end-time prophecy in a major way, some of those Arab states. And so that, that happened, so God was getting things ready for the coming of the Lord. Are you hearing me? I, I thought about today the Palestinian up, 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 upheaval and, uh, and all that's going on, the shelling, the bombing of Jerusalem. And when I started watching this, I thought, God, during the tribulation, I'll get there in a moment, there's going to be some definite things that's going to happen. But what we're seeing now is the sentiment of the world is getting ready to side with the Antichrist. Are you hearing me? I don't want to be political today. But I have to say that anybody that stands against Israel, anybody that, can I go a little farther, that then stands against Christianity... Can I go a little farther? Anybody that stands upon the stands against the sanctity of life and a baby in the womb. Oh, come on, somebody. Anybody that would embrace what God calls sin and promote it as being right and being just. Can I say it? That spirit, John said, was in the world then. It's called the spirit of Antichrist, and it's in the world now. Hallelujah. Uh, I know that's not popular preaching, but I'm, t- I'm just reading you out of, the, out of the Bible. So we're seeing now the, the, the upheaval of the Antichrist spirit. When Jesus came into the world, amen, I've said this over and over again, all of a sudden there was this explosion of demonic activity everywhere he went when he came the first time. Dear God, before he was born, are you hearing me? Herod had already planned to murder him, amen, as soon as he could find him. <coughs> And then during his time here, everywhere Jesus went, he had to deal with demon spirits. Not just one, but sometimes legions of demon spirits. And you don't hardly read of any demonic activity, amen, in the Old Testament. But John says, but now. Say that with me, but now. This is the last time, the last dispensation. Can I tell you, these are the last days. And uh, <coughs> we're approaching, excuse me, the end of the end. Amen. The, the last of the last time, the last days of the last time is where we are now. When I was preparing for this this week, I, I thought you can see that there are certain moral and ethical landmarks that used to be normal decency that are being abandoned. Listen, folks, can I tell you this? This ain't your grandpa's world anymore, amen? Amen, this is not my daddy's world anymore. It's not like it was, amen, when they were young men bringing up families. And, and uh, Paul said in the last days that perilous times would come. And uh, you know all the things that he listed that would happen, and I won't go through all of that again other than to say that we're here and I tell you what we need. You know what we need in the body of Christ today? We need to get our focus, amen, back on Jesus. Amen, Jesus said the eye is the light of the body. And if it's pure, if it's single, if it's focused on him, how great is the light in that body. So what we need today is intercessors. Are you hearing me? God, I feel like spoke this to my heart this week, Brother Nick. We need intercessors, amen. We need people that can get a hold of God to be praying for the lost. Not only that, we need soul winners, amen. Yesterday, somebody, I don't know if it was you or Dylan or somebody shot the text out in the text group that said take the challenge and and text three people and invite them to church. I was with some people from the church at that time and I told them, I said, I just got this text. I said, uh, we need to, every one of us, text three people and invite them to church tomorrow. You know what happened? 
uh, some of them just kind of laughed it off like they thought it was funny. I got a little bit serious. I said, wait a minute. Don't you understand? Our heart is to try to get those people into the house of God where they can experience Jesus. Amen. Woo, hallelujah. I'm feeling good now. We need intercessors and we need, amen, we need soul winners. Amen. God didn't call you, amen, to get saved, sanctified, you know, preserved and put in a jar and set on a shelf somewhere. God called you to be active. He called you to be anointed. He called you to be a soul winner. Come on. He called you to have a burden, to have a vision, to be somebody that would lay on your face and cry for your neighbor to come to God or your boss on the job or your other contractor friend or who or your in-laws. Amen. I had a man tell me one time, he said, I, I think I'll just kill my son-in-law. I said, don't do that. You'll go to jail. I said, just take him to the cross. He'll die there and get up a new creature. Hallelujah. Give God praise, if you will. We need intercessors. We need soul winners. Can I say this? We need serious family counsel in the church. Families need to be retooled, retuned, and refocused on their purpose. Let me tell you something, honey. You got married. I thought there's a Tyler and Amanda back there. I married them not long ago, and there's other people in this room that I've married. I want to tell you something. God didn't just marry you and put you together. Amen. Just because you, you're in love, thank God that's the only reason to get married. Amen. And committed. But God has a plan for you. Unless you don't know what it is, let me tell you what it is. God's plan for you is for you to be a picture of Jesus and his bride. Hello, the Christian family is to be a, an example and a witness to the world that there's a groom that loves his bride so much that he laid down his life for it and died on the cross. God's ideal for you, ladies, is for you to be able to say to the world, I have a husband, amen, who I've joined myself to and our whole purpose in life is to be a witnessing tool, amen, for the body of Christ. For <laughs> Some of y'all look at me and say, wait a minute, nobody told us that. I don't know who married you, but I'm here to tell you today, that's God's plan for your life, hallelujah. We need family counsel. Amen. I, I, I deal all the time with, with church people whose marriage is falling apart. And they start telling me what their problem is. And I really want to cut to the chase and say, your problem is you got your eyes off Jesus. Bottom line, that's it. You know, I, I, I had a couple sit in my office one time and they were, he was going this way and she was going that way. And they was both complaining about getting farther away from God. And I had a thought. I said, it's time to use the old pyramid scheme on them. Anybody ever been caught up in a pyramid scheme? And I took a piece of paper and I, I drew a mark and a mark and a mark. And I looked at him. I said, this is you and this is her. And I said, and up here is God. And I said, if you will draw nigh to God as you climb up that mountain, notice what happens. You get closer to each other. You get closer to each other. But I said, the farther you go away from each other. Is this all right, preaching? The farther you get away from God. I said, the enemies come in and divide it. Amen. That's his whole purpose. Amen. Amen. I, I want to tell you that the, the word of God says that, amen, that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And a house divided cannot stand by itself. Woo, I'm preaching better than you're shouting. There's a lot of couples that can't get along five minutes 
kids because he's going this way and she's going that way and they're both backing up away from God. Is this all right? I believe God, if, if we just have a, a family a, a family revival that started in the house, that men and women would get closer and as they did, they'd get closer to God. Hallelujah. Give God praise if you would. So we need family counsel. We need comfort. We need some assurance that in these last days of these troubled times, the Antichrist is coming, the world is falling apart, the tribulation is coming. But Paul said the Lord himself is going to descend from heaven with a shout. The dead in Christ are getting up first. Those of us that are alive and remain are going to be caught up in the clouds. It's called the rapture. Are you hearing me? And the last thing he said after that, Brother Anthony Lowry, he said, wherefore with these words comfort one another. Brother Moody, have you got a word for me. Yes, sir. Maranatha. Jesus is coming. Hallelujah. You can take comfort in that. Glory to God. Give him praise if you would. So I think as we see this end time approaching, here's my ministry model. First of all, be advised. Know that you know where we are and what's going on. Preacher, do I have to memorize the book of Revelation? No. Most of what happens in Revelation is going to happen during the tribulation. Are you hearing me? You get past chapter 3 and, and, and early part of chapter 4, then you're full-blown in the tribulation. And what it does, is why, why people get so mixed up with Revelation is that there are parenthetical phrases that we call in, in theology. And a parenthetical phrase means I'm talking to you about something here, and then all of a sudden in parentheses I talk to you about what's going on in heaven. And then I come back and I talk to you about what's going on here. So people are trying to, trying to read that through in a chronological order. And they're saying, oh, Lord, look, there's the church. We're here. No, we're in heaven. Hallelujah. You need to know what you know because you know. Because you studied the word of God. We need to be advised. Number First of all, in, in verse number 18, uh, he said, little children, it's the last time. You know that Antichrist is coming. You know that he's here. This is the last dispensation. So what I need to know is I'm not looking for Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me? I'm not looking for a hole in the ground to hide in. I'm looking for a hole in the sky to fly through, thank God. I believe, amen, we need to be advised. We're expecting the Lord's return at any moment. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, he said, wait for, the, uh, wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, which deliver us from the wrath to come. In other words, we're free from the wrath to come. We don't have to go through it. Are you with me? I remember when I first got saved, I was in a prayer meeting one night in a, co in a, in a college prayer meeting with some folks, and they had this preacher there, and, and uh, I, I thought he was a little different. And uh, he, he, he preached a little bit that night, and he lost me, you know, five minutes in. I had no idea what he was talking about. I was just young. And after it was all over, you know, he, he, he felt real good about what he preached. And after it was all over, he came up to me, you know, feeling pretty good about himself. And he said, I want to ask you a question. And I thought, man, you're asking the wrong guy. I mean, I ain't been saved no time. I'm a dummy. I don't know anything. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And uh, he said, do you believe the church will go through the tribulation? I had no idea. But just before I could think it come out of my mouth, I said, oh, no. His eyes, he said, well, why don't you think we are? I said, well, I just can't see Jesus leaving me here for that mess. That was just me and my, and my Holy Ghost. Of course, later on, I found out I was right. I mean, he wanted to argue with me, and 
They all got mad at me and didn't invite me back anymore. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. We need to know what's going on. Amen. And uh, so Paul said, our conversation is from heaven. We look for the Savior in Philippians 3 and 20. In Titus 2 and 11, it said, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to every man and teaching us, teaching us, somebody say teaching us, we need to have some, some knowledge. Teaching us that uh, uh, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Let me tell you something. I see a trend in the church today to be more worldly. This 11 o'clock crowd will love this when I say it, but I'm just going to say it anyway. They look at us like you old fogies, you know, because, not just because of how we dress, you know. I mean, if ever gets to the place that they ban me from church because I wear a suit and tie, I'll just go somewhere and start another one. That ain't going to happen, but it's, that's the way. To, a lot of places you walk in with a suit on, they think you're from Mars. That's got nothing to do at all with what I'm talking about. I've seen people where if you walked in without a suit on, they thought you was from Mars. And uh, I walked into a church one night and I had on neckties. It's a little, you know, little church years ago. And the guy walked right up to me. I promise he said this. He said, we wear no ties and we pay no ties. Let that soak in. And uh, one guy told me, one church, one, he said, if you take that tie off, said, we'd all feel better about you. I thought, if you put one on, I'd feel better. That's got nothing to do with what I'm talking about at all. I don't think, I don't think God cares if you wear a suit or bibbed overhauls. Are you with me? I started saying he's against something, but I think it's just because I'm against it. Amen. <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me get out of this. We need understanding. We need learning. I thank God for next steps. I thank God because I've noticed, I've learned over 40 years of ministry, when people get saved, if you don't teach them foundation truth, if you don't establish them in the Word of God, they ain't got a hooting chance in hell to make it. But he said, teaching us that what we need to do is deny ungodliness and worldly lust and live soberly, righteously, godly. I want to, to know enough about Jesus to present him in the way I live. Then finally, in verse 13, he said, looking, watch this, for that blessed hope. That's the rapture, the coming of the Lord. Amen. The glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Number two, first of all, do we not, not only do we need to be advised, but we need to be aware of what's going on around. The Antichrist is coming. I know church people, the only thing they're concerned about right now is gas prices. I mean, come on. Back years ago in another Democratic administration. <laughs> We're not on the internet. I can say this stuff. Gas went from less than a dollar a gallon to over $4 a gallon. Somebody came to me and said, oh, Lord, Brother Moody, what are you going to do about the gas prices? What are you going to do about the gas? I said, I'm going to buy it. I need it. I can't get around without it. They said, well, I don't know what. I said, God will make a way. Hallelujah. 
We need to be aware that what's going on is more than a political change. It's more than a shift in society. It's the the Antichrist spirit that's trying to rise up and dominate the, come on, Israel and America. They're trying to take us from being the greatest bastion of freedom that the world has ever known and bring us into socialism and control us and get our mind off of God. That's as political as I'm going to get today. Because there needs to be an awareness that the rapture is going to take place and the Antichrist is coming. This thing's not going to get better in the world. I want to say that the spirit of Antichrist is here. Does anybody believe that today other than me? Do you believe that the, the radical gay agenda is not fueled by the Antichrist? And it's not that I mean that I'm against that I'm against gays, but I'm here to tell you God burned up a city because of it. God struck men blind because of it. And I want to tell that that gay man, that gay woman, we love you. We love you. Amen. No matter what caused you to come to where you are, I could take you to Romans chapter 1 and explain it to you. But I want to tell you, you need to understand this. Just like other sins, whether it's cheating on your wife or your husband with a, with a, a person of the opposite sex, whether it's drinking liquor or using drugs, it's sin. Is anybody hearing me? And the Antichrist is trying to force sin down our throat. And, he, and Paul said, said in the last days they'd call good evil and evil good and men would lose the natural of affection of a man between a woman and they'd burn in lust one towards another and can I tell you the spirit of witchcraft has been loosed that's why drug addiction amen is so controlling the world today because it's a controlling spirit it's a Jezebel spirit it's a witchcraft spirit are you hearing me and people say well it's a sickness no sir it's the antichrist spirit in the world today but you hear me the antichrist I'm talking about is not just a spirit he's a man and somewhere in this world I'll never forget this years ago Dr. Ed Smith uh, thank you Dr. Ed Smith was talking to me one night I used to spend a lot of time with Dr. Smith and and his old voice was stenitarian deep voice I'll never forget it we were in the car together, and he said, Brother Owen, I have something to tell you that you need to know. I said, What is it, Brother Ed? He said, Now, I don't tell everybody this. And I thought, Oh, God, don't pop my bubble. Don't disillusion me. Don't, don't, don't confess something to me that I don't. That's happened so many times. He said, Brother Owen, he said, I believe the Antichrist is alive and in the world today. I said, Really? And he said he's being groomed and financed by Syria. I thought, wow, that's deep. And the man of God began to show me why he believed the Antichrist would come from Syria. And that he's alive. Is that right? I don't know. I know that man spent his life, and he had a doctorate in theology and master's in, 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 in biblical studies, and he, he told me, he said, this is what I've gleaned from my lifetime of studying. He's here. And then he said, hallelujah. If he's here, Jesus is getting ready to come and get us. Hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. So the Antichrist is a man, a real person. Amen. 
He's, he's referred to by different titles in Scripture. Second Thessalonians uh, 2 and 3 is called the, the man of sin and the son of perdition. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there first come a falling away. That word falling away, people refer that to a falling away of the church. One, one translation literally says a disappearance. That the church leaves, amen? And then will that man of sin be revealed, amen? The son of perdition. Revelation 13 and 1, John said, I saw a beast rise up out of the sea. He's known as a, a beast, can you say, amen? And uh, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns were crowns, and, and upon his head was the, on the heads were the name of blasphemy. That the Antichrist is a man that's going to come to power, and all of a sudden this confederation of nations is going to join. Can I tell you something? Can I just haul off and tell you this? That I believe the moment the church is raptured and the Antichrist comes to power, that this nation and that bunch in Washington, D.C. will join allegiance with him in a New York minute. That's why America's not really mentioned in Bible prophecy. We're done when the salt and the light leaves. Can you say amen? You better tell your babies, get ready for the rapture because this is going to be a hellish place to live after the rapture. That's all right. Amen. Let me go on. I want to tell you about the Antichrist. The attributes, the characteristics of the Antichrist. First of all, he's devilish. He's wicked. He's vile. He 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 deceives. Amen. He's devilish. Second uh, Thessalonians two and four said he opposes and exalts himself. Whosoever opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so he sets himself in the temple amen, of God, in it, which will be rebuilt in Jerusalem. That he is God. That's why all this 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 battle for Jerusalem is going on. Are you hearing me? He's divisive. Amen. It's, he, he, when he speaks of the Antichrist that, that have entered into the church, Paul does, and says they were not of us. And because they were not of us, they couldn't stay here. They left us. They were divisive. They were contrary. How many of you all have ever known people that were always against anything the church said? Or any, it's the Antichrist spirit. I've, I've had Antichrist walk in this church. I've had them come in and, and want to do things that, I, that were just not godly, and we're not scriptural. And they, they, I've had them point their finger at me and say, you've got to get in step with the times, preacher. And I want to say, you need to get in step out the door. <laughs> you hear me? It's just all right. Ain't everything that my granddaddy used to say, everything that shines ain't gold, baby. Amen. Let, let me go on. They're, they're divisive. Uh, Paul said in the latter times, 1 Timothy 4 and 1, the Spirit speaks expressly, the Holy Spirit speaks, speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, divide themselves. What's this giving heed to, to what? Seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Thirdly, the Antichrist is deceptive. The primary objective of the Antichrist is to deceive people about who Jesus really is. When you read this in verse 22 and 23, what I read to you there in my text, the great issue was they were denying that Jesus was the Son of God. They were denying the Father. They were, they were denying the Blessed Trinity, the outpouring Holy Spirit. That's what the Antichrist does. I, I, I won't do it, but I can stand here and name you some things that people think are good denominations that fit this category because they don't believe that Jesus was God. They, Jesus said, if you believe not, I'm he. You'll die in your sins. They deny his deity. They, I, I had one of them stand and look at me and say, well, Jesus is just another angel. I said, you're just another other nut. 
I'm not very popular with some people. Let me go on. So they're, 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 they're divisive. They're deceptive. 1 John 4 and 1 says, Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they're of God. There's false prophets that are going out in the world. Hereby we know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ, Savior, anointed, what has come in the flesh, is of God. And every spirit that doesn't confess that, amen, that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, listen, is not of God. It's an antichrist. You got them in your family. They want to argue with you about who Jesus is. They don't believe that he's the Son of God. Don't, listen, you need to really get down and to business and fast and pray and try to teach them the word of God. They've been overtaken by the spirit of the Antichrist and when the man, the Antichrist comes, they'll be first in line to join up. Can you say amen? Oh, I gotta hurry. Second John 1 and 7, the Bible said, many deceivers are entering into the world who confess not that Jesus is Christ, is Jesus Christ is coming to flesh. He says it again, this is a deceiver and an Antichrist. Antichrist. Fourthly, he's destructive. The Antichrist is destructive. The spirit of Antichrist is destructive. It's destroying. You know, I was thinking the other day about World War II veterans. I was at the cemetery the other day, and I saw, I saw a, the tombstone of a dear man that, was, that uh, I knew all of my life who was on Guam in World War II. And he was a Marine Corps. And he, he told me as a boy the horrors of fighting. The Japanese had dug in in Guam. Most of their troops were lost, the Americans. But we won. Can you say amen? And I was standing there thinking about that man. I was thinking about that, that generation that was known as the greatest generation. Do you understand if America hadn't entered World War II, and if, and if we hadn't, uh, with the allies banded together, today we'd probably be goose-stepping and saluting, amen, Germany or Japan. Are you hearing me? We would be overrunning. The, they would have taken the world. I, I've got a book written by an American general. As a matter of fact, it's three volumes of it that I bought when I was in Pearl Harbor in, in Hawaii years ago. And when I read this man's book, it just amazed me that how much we owe that generation for our freedom. And then we fought to, to stop it in Korea, the spread of communism. We fought to stop it in Vietnam. Are you hearing me? There's always been this, 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 this idea of the Antichrist to dest not to destroy nations. Listen, the whole thrust of this spirit that's in America today, if you just look beneath the surface, it's not to promote political power. Come on, somebody. It's to dethrone Christ in America. It's the Antichrist spirit. And trust me, they're there from both parties. Come on, they, it was a Republican that first started talking about the new world order. Mm, don't get mad at me. So all of a sudden we see in the, in the Revelation, we see the four horsemen. You know, the white horse conquering, the red horse, a great sword, the black horse, financial oppression, and finally the pale horse, death by sword, hunger, and by the beast, which means the demons of the earth, not the lions and tigers and bears, the demons of the earth. So finally, the third thing we need to be is not only be aware, but we need to be abiding. We need to be faithful to Jesus. I'm amazed today 
how hard it is. And pastors tell me this all the time to get people to church. Now, well, preacher, you don't have to go to church to be saved. You don't have to take a bath either. You'll smell better if you do. There needs to be a washing by the water of the word. There needs to be a, a transformation. Not a, you know, we don't need to be conformed to the world, but we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And that's one of our goals here is to change stinking thinking. I've always wanted to say that. There, there needs to be this faithfulness because, amen, we abide in the word of God. Can you say amen? When, when, I, when I read this in, in uh, uh, verse 24, it said, Whosoever denies the Son, the same has not the Father, but he that acknowledges the Son. And that word acknowledges does just mean, say, oh yeah, he's the Son. It's somebody that says, my life attests to the fact that Jesus is the Christ. I, 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 he said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Paul even said this later on in his life. He said, I now know him in whom I have believed. I believed on, in the road, on the road to Damascus, but in the end of his life, he said, now I know him because I found him out through Scripture. I know who Jesus is. I don't care, you know, you know, uh, I, I, can I tell you, Muhammad came along about, what was six, seven hundred years after Jesus. And they said he was a madman. And he, he wrote things all anywhere on leaves, on pieces of paper, on anything he could write on. And that's why you got the, the Shiites and the Sunnis who try to blow each other up all the time. Because you got one bunch that believes this version of the Quran, and you got another bunch that believes this version of the Quran, and one of them's just as bad and rotten and violent as the other. I'll just leave that with you. But I've found in Jesus, he said, I come in the volume of the book. You need to abide in the Word. Colossians 3.16 said, let the Word of God, the Word of Christ dwell in you. Not just a little bit, but richly. I'm worried about Christians who know more about NBA players than they do about the apostles of Christ. Mm. Are you hearing me? Nothing wrong with watching football and playing fantasy. and oh, But my God, abide. Let this word live richly in you. I love it. How many love the word of God? How many literally love the time that you get to sit down with just the Bible? Every year I try to read through it. Can I confess something? Some years I don't make it. But every year I've read through it numerous times. And it amazes me. I'm reading and all of a sudden, boom, there it is. I say, woo, glory. I never understood that before. And suddenly there's, I'm a little bit richer because of the I'm going to quit. I didn't mean it. I did too. So you need to abide in the Word. And I'm going to say this, you need to abide in the Spirit. Amen. You need to walk in the Spirit. Amen. In John 14 and 26, Jesus said, but the Comforter, the Holy Ghost. I remember when I got saved, one of my dear meaning, well-meaning, loving 
family members who was of another denominational persuasion said to me, Owen, you better stay away from that Holy Ghost stuff. And they tried to say it like he was spooky. Stay away from that Holy Ghost stuff. And I said, he ain't Casper. I said, do you understand he's the third person of the Trinity? He is God. Their eyes got big. And, but Jesus said, when the Comforter, capital C, the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, amen, when he comes, hallelujah, he'll teach you all things. He'll bring all things to your remembrance. Everything I've said to you will come alive in your heart. So we need to abide in the Spirit. Galatians 5, 16, Paul said, walk in the Spirit. You won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. In these last days, this last time, Jerusalem's being bombed. The army, the, 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 the political sentiment of the world, the anti-Semitism is rife in our world and in America. And there's some movements that have disguised themselves in America today to supposed to be movements that care for people. All they're trying to do is promote socialism and take over our country and dethrone Christ in America. Amen. Come on, Nick, I'm going to finish. So, Luke 21 and 20 said, when you see Jerusalem compassed with armies, know that the desolation thereof is close. Jesus said, and I didn't put this scripture down, but I read it this morning. When you see the abomination of desolation, I've spoken by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place. One, I heard one guy say, oh, when you see the abomination of desolation, the Bible says stand in the holy place. That's not what it says. It says when you see that abomination standing in the holy place on the temple mount. According to Daniel, when the Antichrist, when they, they enter into covenant, amen, the world does, and Israel does, trying to save their lives with the Antichrist for one week, a seven-year covenant. I want to tell you, the document's already written. They're just trying to force Israel to sign it. And when that Antichrist comes and he comes out on a white horse and he goes forth without a bow, conquering and to conquer, he goes out with diplomacy. Abby, remember this. He'll, he'll, appear, he'll, he'll appear on the world news on CBS tonight and all of them, and he'll be the, most, the best looking, most handsome, charismatic. He'll, the world will swoon over this character, and he'll have this document and say, I have the answer to the Middle East crisis and to world wars. I have world peace. Riding on a white horse. But remember, his real goal is to conquer. And then after the white horse, then he comes out the same guy riding a red horse and then a black horse and then a pale horse. And before he's done, if I understand it right, between him and the judgments of God, two-thirds of the earth's population will die. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be hell. Jesus said, a time like never was, never shall be again. So he said, when you see Jerusalem being attacked, know that it's near. Luke 21, 34, take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overtaken by surfeiting, which is partying and worldliness and drunkenness and the cares of this life. Do not get so consumed with materialism that you forget Jesus is coming. Can I get a witness? So that that day comes upon you unaware. 
verse 35. For as a snare will come upon all them that dwell on the face of the earth. Those that are left here, he'll snare them in a moment. I was driving into Louisville one time years ago, and there was, I was going to Illinois with Blake to buy a motorcycle little old miniature motorcycle Blake had traded the horse and went online and bought it and so we took a road trip to go get it me and him and my nephew one of my great nephews and another grandson and we were rolling along we got into Louisville and it was road construction and uh, we got out of the road construction we was rolling on I saw a sign speed limits back up so I'm zipping right along next thing you know I'm going in down towards Louisville and there's a motorcycle cop and he's standing over on the side of the road, standing there like this. And when he sees me, he goes, and I thought, what's this guy want? So I pulled over. And somehow, I don't know, well, I was, I said a little bit, there's, it's a little confusing. I was actually in Indiana. No, 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 it was Illinois. It was, right in that, I was somewhere right in that little area there. And uh, he walked up to the truck and said, see, operator's license. Yes, sir. You know why I stopped you, don't you? I said, I ain't got no idea. He said, you're running 72 miles an hour. I said, well, the speed limit, last sign I saw was 70. No, it's 55. I said, I didn't see the sign. He said, that's not my problem. I've learned better than to argue. Now, you know, you can curse them, throw rocks at them, shoot them. Somebody will defend you. So he wrote me a ticket. I want to tell you, he snared me. That's what the Antichrist is going to do. He's going to snare people. Verse 36 says, Watch you therefore. You need to memorize this verse. The next time somebody tries to tell you we're going through the tribulation, you need to quote, quote Luke 21, 36. Watch you therefore and pray all the time. In other words, be aware, be advised, be ready. And, be, and pray that you're counted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass. And stand before the Son of Man. So we're in the last day, the last time, the last dispensation. But you hear this preacher. The rumblings of the storms of tribulation can be heard off in the distance. Winds of adversity are blowing across the world now. And soon and very soon it's going to come to a head. Tribulation is coming. The Antichrist is going to make his appearance. But before he does, we're leaving. But you need to be ready. You need to be aware. You need to be advised. You need to be abiding in the Word and in the Spirit. Let me just say it. It's time to quit playing church and get real with God. Get real with God. I don't know the times over the years I've stood and pleaded with people I love, get right with God, and they'd say, I'm going to, and the next thing you know, I was looking at them in a casket. And I had no hope that they ever did what I pleaded with them to do. 
I'm here to tell you it's about to happen on a worldwide scale. I've come to tell you that soon and very soon he's coming in the clouds of glory. And the world's going to see hell. There's a way out. It's the blood. It's the cross. It's grace. It's being ready to meet God. Why should I worry about being spiritual? Because the world needs to see you prepared for the coming. That's the only thing. I mean, you can get on the internet and tell them you got survival food in a tote and they'll, you can get rich. Hello. It's time to get ready to fly. Stand with me, would you? Father, we thank you. Oh, for the word of God. We thank you for the truth that you've given us. Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Abide in it. Walk in it. Lord, if there's anybody here that's not ready to meet you for the coming of the Lord, let this be their moment. Your head's bowed, your eyes closed. I wonder if there's anybody here that's not saved. Maybe you were, maybe you've served the Lord, but you've drifted away and you've gotten overtaken with surfeiting cares of the world or drunkenness, intoxication, not necessarily of wine and alcohol, but of all the other stuff that's pulled you away from God. If that's you, would you slip up your hand and say, pray for me. I want to be ready for the rapture. Is that you? Just raise your hand. Pray for me. How many of you know people that have got away from God? Some of them have let the pandemic take them away from God, not just out of church, but away from God. Some of them have let materialism relationships addictive behavior take them away from God entertainment the world the trash that's in the world also in the world is the lust of the eye lust of the flesh and the pride of life they let them take them away from God it looks good it feels good but it's not right how many know people like that and said hope you enjoyed today's message and we'll tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.